Yeah. Late Even games, Denver, Memphis. So Actually, no, I got Hornets Warriors. That's not bad. And Denver, Memphis is a good mid. Denver and Memphis will be a fun game. As all Denver games are. <laughs> it's frustrating to watch MPJ play now, though. I don't know what about him. Yeah, he's been ass this year. My goodness, he's been awful. It's sort of weird how they still don't feature him, though. He's just there within the flow of the offense. Yeah, it's because uh, Will Barton is there <laughs> taking over. I guess so. That's true. Will Barton's team boy. Yeah. Will Barton and fucking uh, Aaron Gordon are 2B, 2C here. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised Gordon's shooting so much. Yeah, he's really getting them up. I kind of like it for my fantasy team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His shot is ugly, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's yeah. like... Uh, it's like when Blake Griffin used to have that nasty hitch in his shot. I said this is worse because it doesn't drop as well. And he still can't no. shoot free throws. Or threes. <laughs> he just got that we like... Shoot. <laughs> no, he's got that little nasty like turnaround fadeaway that yep. everyone thinks that they can do because of Jordan. But at least he gets elevation on them. Yeah, because he's guarded by small guys all the time. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the baby daddy, the Iceman himself, Josh Cohen. How you doing? Feeling fine. A lot of good NBA games lately. It's been a lot of good watching, so I've been quite entertained. Last night's game with the Lakers and the Rockets was uh, was fun, even though it ended at like one in the morning. But it was a it's a good game, good time. <laughs> Brought you back to those late games. Yeah, I mean, eh? you know, if the baby's gonna stay up late, so am I. Hey, I like that. That's commitment, baby daddy. The banger in the paint, our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia, man. How you feeling? You know what? Uh, I'm a fan of uh, this new regular season NBA, unlike Brian Windhorst, who I had to listen to that podcast. And honestly, I, I just have to bring it up. That was a horrible, horrible podcast. His, he's, off his, uh, he's off his chair. So what point do you disagree with? He was just complaining a lot about how the NBA is overcalling fouls now or undercalling fouls and that they are basically ruining, not ruining, but they're not affecting the game the way he likes. Like he was putting a lot of his own view on it and saying that, yes, free throws are down and that's no one's going to argue that. But I think he was saying or he was giving the impression that he wasn't enjoying the new style of basketball. That's how I heard it. That's not what I had heard at all when I listened. To that. Yeah, that was not my interpretation either. <laughs> no. Yeah, he was whining. Uh, like, it might I think you just hate Windhorst. It might have been that, like, yeah, you might just not like the guy. It's okay if you don't. I mean, you don't have to like every like media personality. Nah, man. But, you know, I can sort of understand that. I can sort of understand if you're like someone like James Harden, right? Or Damian Lillard, who's used to getting those calls all the time. And then, like, refs are just completely eliminating all your foul calls it's kind of messed up especially if you're actually being hacked or if you're you know you know how Harden does that move where he like shoves his body into the defender uses the off arm to draw the contact I mean that's still a foul right that's not the the kind of thing that the refs were supposed to de-emphasize but they're just not calling anything so I mean for us it's great we get faster games I like you know if games can finish in two hours two hours and ten minutes I'm all on board but I can understand why superstars like Harden and Lillard would be, you know, 
displeased with Imagine this how much faster it's going to be next year when they get rid of the take foul and the Euro foul. And they make it two free <laughs> oh. throws in the ball. It's going to be great. Oh my god, man. And it's going to add more points to the board both ways, right? Like, if you do the take foul, you're getting those two free throws. And if you don't, there's going to be more three-on-ones, three-on-two fast breaks. And the fans are going to get what they paid to come and see, which is fast, fast break basketball with a lot of different dunks and cool moves on advantage situations. So, right now, every team is just Mm -hmm. playing strategically, I guess you could say. (laughs) By strategically, I mean lazy. Some of these games have like seven take fouls in them, and it's brutal. And not even an advantage situations. Like Composo the other night took a take foul in like a three on four situation, just because he didn't want to have to run backwards. <laughs> it's pathetic. Yeah, yo, Composo is like forty years old, man. Leave the guy well, alone. Draymond's you been doing it too, break. and he has no excuse. But but going back to Windhorst's point, like I think. <laughs> The facts that he was bringing up. No, no, I I have to defend myself here because I didn't do a good job. He was saying the correct stats. And I I got the impression that he was kind of saying like, this isn't going to last. This isn't what people want to see. And he was see, kind of painting part, it with that I don't brush. think he was implying that. Saying it's not going to last is definitely possible. That, uh, yes, that is correct. Yeah, and, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But I, I strongly felt that even when his guest like Spears was like, oh, I'm enjoying watching this. He he was kind of like resisting that. He's like, nah, like this isn't like, he's, he seems like he's just catering to the superstars and he's trying to gain their favors or for more inside takes and whatnot. Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> oh man, that's great. That's a good rant, right? Maybe I he like just that. is LeBron's puppet. I, I honestly feel that. Well, he is. He was. That's sort of how he like, Got like popped off, right? And any rant ending with "fuck that guy" is, you know, generally I like. We should this. make that a weekly segment, no matter what. Like fuck that like, guy. Fuck that guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so down with this, man. I can get behind this all day. But let's move on, man. I want to get down to the nitty gritty here, and you know, I, Raj is complaining. He's just been off the hook, so I want to keep this going. Raj, why don't you talk to me about this? The best team in Texas again and again and again. This has been multiple years, Raj, where you've said that this team isn't any good, that they're, you know, they're washed up. Luka's peaked, apparently, statistically, last year. Yes. But the Dallas Mavericks still sitting at 4-3. and three. You know, they're, they're shaky, but, you know, they're there. They're there. I, I think if you look through the standings and you go through the teams that have a winning record, and it's kind of over-exaggerating how good they are, I think... Dallas is the team that strikes me as the team that's outplaying or overperforming their record. Like they're a four and three team. They're fourth in the West right now. But if they continue playing the way they do, they are going to be a playing team. That's like, that's how I see it. They they have no creativity besides Luka. Um, I don't think the Jason Kidd experience is going to be anywhere as good as Carlisle's. And Talking about the NBA and how the fouls are being called, like Luca was a big beneficiary of that. So, like this Dallas team has to make a move. I don't know what move they make. Obviously, there's rumors about Dragic eventually at some point joining this team to add another playmaker and that Slovenian connection. But again, out of all the teams with a winning record, this team is the one that strikes me as the team that won't survive or won't continue having uh, a winning record. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I think the biggest thing with them is trying to, again, last couple of years, figure out this Porzingis thing. 
And having him be healthy, number one, he's been out the last three games with back tightness. I think that's just code for he was terrible the game that he did play and he's trying to create an excuse for himself for playing so bad. But um, they need to figure out what they're going to do with their front court especially because him and Powell together just don't work. I think their net rating is something insane in the negatives right now. And they're always behind in the first quarter when those two play together. So I think ultimately they're just going to have to play him at center and then play you know a bunch of wing guys around those guys and just surround them with three-point shooting. And just hope that they can outscore teams because their identity right now isn't one where you're going to get a lot of regular season wins like you have in the past couple of years because teams are better in the West and the East especially. And you're not going to get away with Luka just going one on five the entire game because more physicality is allowed and his point total has gone from 27 or 28 last year to 23 this year. And he's had the ball in his hands just as often this year. So they have to find... A different route, and you trust Jason Kidd with that? Yeah, probably not. I was gonna say, are we just letting Luca off the hook? Like, I get it. He's probably a top five, top seven talent in the league. He's, you know, an MVP in the Euro League at such a young age. He's had these crazy performances in the playoffs. But are we just excusing him coming into the season out of shape every year? Are we? Are we just gonna excuse him complaining to the refs every other possession on offense? Like. Aside from LeBron, man, Luca is up there as a top five complainer to refs, and it's not, it's not a, a leader that you want to to fall behind as a player, right? As a role player, especially. Yeah, like I, I don't think Luca necessarily has had a bad start to the season. Like he's helped them immensely in, in the wins. Obviously, coming into camp out of shape and playing your way into shape, like in the NBA, if you it takes you ten games to work yourself to at least NBA or midseason shape, like that's 10 games too many. And especially in the West where uh, the difference between being the fourth seed and being a play-in seed will be like three games, maybe um, three or four games. So that, 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 that is on Luca. But again, you just look at this roster and uh, again, I struggle to name besides Luca two, maybe three other uh, players that would start on another Western conference playoff team. Like if you if you can name two players that would start on last year's Western Conference playoff teams, I would be surprised. Besides Luca, of course. Yeah, they're like they they're a mess right now in terms of their rotation. Maxi Kleba's out too. Like he's a massive part of their team, which you know can go both ways. I mean, you can say that's a bad thing, but he's a pretty solid player, honestly. And honestly, <laughs> if they just started him with Porzingis. Then you have more rim protection, and he's a guy that can guard three through five as well, do a pretty decent job at it, at least make whoever he's guarding take contested shots. So I think him being out is also a big factor in this. But again, just overall, the talent around Luka is just not good enough for what he is ultimately going to eventually be. And you just look at the team that they played last night with Lowry and Miami. If Dallas actually ended up getting Lowry, we would not be having this conversation right now. We'd be talking about them being the number two seed in the West. I I, I I don't know about the Lowry thing. I don't think they'd be the two seed, but I, don't know. I think they'd be a better team. They'd be a better team. And I think obviously they can add one or two pieces. But again, it's just Luca, like all the players they have on their team, including Chris Stapps, including Tim Hardaway Jr., including Luca, like kind of the, the three players that are usually or you would expect to be on the the top of the box score, um, those players need the ball in their hands to be efficient or effective. 
and there's only one ball on the court. And if you're the Mavs, you want the ball in Luka's hand. So you have to surround him with players that play well without the ball or players that can make shots, who can make quick cuts, um, who rebound the ball extremely well, have good defense. And that's not the identity of this Mavs team. So I guess that's why they tried to bring in... uh like a three, a quote unquote three point specialist like Reggie Bullock, right? Someone who can at least spread the floor on offense and sort of just hang out in the corner and draw defenders away from the paint. Except uh, Reggie Bullock, I don't, I'm not convinced he's actually a good three point shooter. I think he's good. It's uh, just he's their a- problem is they haven't played him enough with Luca. Like he's a guy that should be starting. I think if you're going to play him, I mean you're going to sign him for ten million dollars a year. You want him to be a sharpshooter. You want him to yeah. space the floor for them and. First five games, he barely even played with Luka, which is very odd. He almost didn't hit a shot because of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Kid before the season started said that he wanted Luka to be fresh in the fourth quarter. And part of that is making sure that he doesn't have all that load from quarters one through three. And maybe they're starting to solve that now with finally starting Brunson last game. He had a good game yesterday with 25 points. Um, so maybe taking some ball handling responsibilities away from him and keeping him off the ball a little bit throughout the game might help. But if you're playing the better teams, that's still not going to be good enough because you could see watching the game yesterday, Miami's in control from, you know, first quarter despite Dallas hitting a bunch of threes in the first. So they have to figure some things out. And if they don't, then they're going to have to make a trade once uh, the eligible players on December 15th, I think, become available. Yeah, and just to point out, their victories are against uh, the other teams in Texas. In Houston, San Antonio, they beat the lowly Sacramento Kings, and um, they did beat the Raptors, but um, I I think if they ended up playing the Raptors again, I think the Raptors will have their number. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like they're going to end up being one of those teams that just beats on everyone who's under 500, or, you know, Beats teams that they're supposed to beat, but once it comes to higher standing teams, they have really have no shot because they're too predictable. Yeah. Kind of like the Boston Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to game plan against. Oh, well, who... What kind of player would they actually need, though? Because, you know, we've said a point guard is, you know, a, like the ideal fit. Like someone like Lowry, someone, a point guard that can sort of be a floor leader and still hit shots. You know, if Brunson was bigger... If he was a little bit bigger, like maybe 6'1", six, 6'2", six, then I could really see him in that position, right? But are there really other point guards? Obviously, Drajore, like mentioned Goran Dragic, but he's 35. Are there any other point guards that we can actually see going to this team and act like actually, like not actually, but realistically going to this team and, and affecting them positively like that? I mean, back when Fred Van Vliet wasn't signed to a big contract, you know, there was rumors about him going to Dallas, going to Phoenix pre-Chris Paul as well. Just a guy like that who's like a connector that can hit threes, play good defense, and just knows how to play. I mean, guys like Lowry, Lonzo Ball, the point guard who doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time, but is effective without it. That's what they need. And maybe Brunson one day can become that, but I think right now, A, he's too small, and B, he doesn't shoot enough uh, catch-and-shoot threes either. He's good on defense, but again, you know, when he's guarding bigger players... Because Luca's not going to be guarding, you know, your your good wings. He's going to be guarding PJ Tucker like he did yesterday. So then you're going to have to force Jalen Brown, Jalen uh, Brunson, sorry, to uh, you know guard the better players on the opposite team, and that's just not going to end well. So I'm not really sure who'll be out there. I mean, you have to look at the teams that are struggling right now. Maybe a team like Portland with CJ McCollum, but you can't really yeah. get that guy. So they're just stuck because they don't have any 
value beyond Luca and I guess Jalen Brunson because he's not signed to a new contract yet. Raj, let's get Eric Bledsoe on this team. No, please, please, no. That just kills your <laughs> shooting. Um, but but I, I think you can have Luca as obviously the primary point guard. You still need another playmaker off the bench, and I think like Brunson's that guy. I still think having Dragic gives you a little more flexibility in your lineup. So I think realistically that trade, a lot of the fans see it. I, I think that probably will happen especially the fact that they're both slovenian and they have a friendship already i think the the big issue with the mavs is they're playing two front court players that don't work ideally with luca and especially with chris Stapps, he doesn't give you any defensive um stability there in the paint if you're only going to play him at center um and if you play him at power forward it really takes away luca's space because there's going to be another center a power forward and luca all looking for the paint um, I, I think ultimately they're it's it's really Luca and Dorian Finney Smith who are like kind of in my opinion the staples right now of their starting lineup because like Dorian Finney Smith is like the ideal four, like stretches the floor, plays mostly defense, doesn't really want the ball in his hand. Um, and they have to figure out what center they're gonna play. Is it gonna be Dwight Powell? Are they gonna play with Chris Stapps? I don't think he's the solution. Um and where does where does Tim Hardaway Jr. fit? Is he actually going to be your two? And they need a three. That's like their big issue, I think. I don't think they have a great wing. A wing, it's like a three and D guy. Um, ideally, like someone like um, Middleton, who <laughs> Middleton would be great. But even like uh, not the uh, Warriors Kelly Oubre, but uh, like uh, older Kelly Oubre would be a perfect fit on that team. Or no, older, but a younger. No, no. Kelly Oubre is never going to mature. That's why he's never going to be a good starter on a good team. <laughs> yeah. That, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll accept Harsh. that. But they need a three. Like uh, someone who um, can really kind of space the floor, three and D, um, make the timely cuts. And interestingly enough, I think one thing that will probably happen, maybe not this year, but I think one of the Atlanta kind of shooting guards or threes that are kind of on the outs. I think Dallas should look at one of them, like uh, whether it's a Cam Reddish, whether it's a Kevin Herter, um, like mm. someone else, because Atlanta's really loaded in that position and they're not going to be able to keep their guys. So I think that's, if I was the Mavs GM, I would look at that and be like, you know what, this is a situation where maybe we can get a player that fits us well. Cause Atlanta has a surplus. It's not bad. I like that actually. That's a good point. If I were Harala Bob <laughs> last year, I would look at Atlanta. That's not bad. Okay, Bob. That's not bad. I don't know, man. <laughs> but man, the Mavs are an absolute mess. I don't know. I don't see any way for this team to do damage in the playoffs. Cam Reddish or Kevin Herter. I could see it maybe happening. I think the trade for one of those guys, just quickly, is Memphis. I think Memphis, now that they're really deep going into rebuilding, um, while on the fly, obviously, since they're still winning games, they should be looking to trade Dylan Brooks for one of those two guys. Ideally, Cam Reddish, since he's unsigned. And Atlanta's trying to win right now, obviously. And, uh, you know, Kevin Hurd is averaging like four points in 15 minutes a game because Cam Reddish is playing well right now. And he's signed for $15 million a year. And I don't think they're going to sign Cam Reddish based on that. So I think they're going to go with Hunter instead of Reddish. So I think Cam Reddish is going to be the guy that's going to be available. And if you're going to trade him, you want to get somebody who's going to contribute, obviously. So I think that trade makes a lot of sense for both teams. But we won't talk too much about fantasy basketball, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, no. Dylan Brooks isn't going anywhere. Yeah, and he, he doesn't like. Not if you're gonna trade him, though, this would be the fuck. time to do it, right? It's no. his high point. No, you're you're. T- you're telling this Atlanta team who's full of wings to add on another wing. No, but <laughs> you're training a wing who's going to make who's more than Dylan as... Brooks for a guy who can contribute at the level of Cam Reddish. But but the problem is they already have Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, no, they they, have... the, the problem is not changing. Like They still have too many guys, but at least you're getting value back for a guy you're not going to keep. you got to trade Cam Reddish this year. No, I, I, I completely... I, I don't think that's the move Atlanta makes. I don't think it adds enough. If anything, Atlanta could see a situation like would if if you're the Hawks, would you take Maxi Kleber for Cam Reddish and some salary or pick? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they already have too many fours and fives, so I don't know if that makes a lot of sense either. Yeah, but like I think Maxi Kleber is your insurance policy on DeAndre Hunter. No, but DeAndre Hunter plays unless the three. you really want Kleber plays the floor. Yeah, Maxi Kleber. Well, I guess he can play the three four. Mm, I don't see it. Kleba's a three, three, uh, four, five, but he has guarded Kawhi in the past. Doesn't mean he's playing small yeah. forward though. No, no, no. That's not going to be a thing. Yeah, but that's not. A but thing. What, all right, and then let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is too much. No, I, I hate this hypothetical stuff because let's be let's be real. We have no idea what's going to happen on the inside of these front offices. Um, Josh, can you talk to me a bit about these struggling Portland Trailblazers? Because uh. You know, last year we saw that they crumbled, just absolutely crumbled in the playoffs. Dame goes to, to, to Team USA in Tokyo, doesn't do that well. And then this year, man, Dame just looks like, I don't want to call him a shell of himself, but this is not the Dame Lillard that we're used to seeing, right? Shooting 23% from three, 40% of like effective field goal, 35 from the field in general, lowest career point uh, averages in points and threes per game. Yeah, they do, and defensively, they haven't really, um, I guess, totally bought into the scheme that Chauncey's trying to put in. I mean, against some teams, it has worked, but I think they've played a few teams on back-to-backs to where once you blitz the ball, these teams who are tired coming in are just going to you know, eventually flame out in the third and fourth quarters. So having to bring you know, a guy like Nurkic up to the ball and pick and roll is just going to tire them out. They're not playing Larry Nance enough either. Covington has been bad for two years now. So they just don't have the requisite depth in order to maintain a consistent good team. Um, the only good thing about their team thus far, like that's sort of gone under the radar, is how good Anthony Simons has been. I think he led the league last year in spot-up uh, three-point shooting at 45%. And this year he's at the exact same mark. So he's going to be in line for a contract this year. And... If they end up trading Dame, maybe you give him that spot and just go full Detroit Pistons and just tank the entire season and let him just take 20 shots a game. But I wanted to speak on the broader point of (laughs) Team USA basketball because there's always a lot of talk about when players go into Team USA, you know, they come out and it's like an illuminating experience for them. It's like they went, you know, like Batman going into, uh, you know, the the islands or the the mountains or whatever (laughs) and getting this like crazy training. And they're going to come back a samurai, you know? And you look at all the guys that went this year, and most of them are shooting under 40% thus far because the season, you know, between last season and this season, there's not a lot of time between for rest, obviously. And these guys are playing for another month, playing high-level basketball in the Olympics. 
And I just think they're tired. Like, I don't think Dame is washed or anything. It's just these guys played high-level basketball beyond going deep in the playoffs a lot of time with, you know, guys like Booker and Holiday and Middleton. And all of them are struggling. Like, Dame's shooting 35% from the field. Jason Tatum's at 40%. He's looked like trash in fourth quarters. Uh, Luca is shooting 43% from the field, playing for Slovenia. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Devin Booker's at 40%. He had a bout with COVID before the season started. So <sighs> these guys going to Team USA, I think, has hurt them this year versus help. <laughs> wow, I did not expect that at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can sort of understand, except Zach Levine is shooting like 47% from the field this year. Yeah, he's the only exception. He like broke a finger too, and somehow he's still shooting well. So props to him. Because the Bulls are just that good. Raj, remember when you thought Zach Levine wasn't going to be a good jump shooter? What up? Yeah, I am. I'm uh, eating my words. I think Zach Levine, <laughs> honestly, the Bulls are super exciting to watch. And hey, they're two and one since we last potted. So uh, with some boom, two big wins too. Uh, anyways, yeah, going back to Team USA, Josh, Bam Adebayo looks like he's like found himself again, right? I think it's it's different for the teams that went deeper into the playoffs. Like they got obviously we know the three Middleton, Holiday, and uh, Booker who went to the finals, and then like literally caught a plane the next day to Tokyo, right? It's kind of different for those guys, but for I have no excuse for Tatum. Tatum, that Boston whole that whole Boston situation is just an absolute mess. But I don't know. I I don't know, Josh. I don't think you're you're correct in this. Draymond looks fine. Draymond it's easy looks great to play with year. Steph Curry <laughs> when you don't shoot. <laughs> That's a great. Did you hear Draymond recently yeah. too? He was talking about his shooting and how he can shoot the hell out of the ball. It's like, okay, show us, <laughs> show us, call him Yo, out, like, Josh. He's like Ben Simmons, man. He's like Ben. I mean, Simmons. at least Draymond shoots Summertime some of those shots, so. That's a plus. And plus he had yeah. like 36 in game seven against the Cavs at one time. So that's something. Yeah, that was like three or four years ago, man, when he costed them yeah. the title too. It's true. It's over. That's old Draymond. We're talking about new Draymond. Joe. But yeah, I think that just I, the seasons being too condensed this year has hurt a lot of guys, at least in the early part of this, you know, early stages of the uh, the NBA season. And I think a lot of what we've seen so far from certain teams who had high expectations, I don't think we should read too much into it as of yet. Whereas a team like Dallas, you can just see that, you know, the roster construction is just not the greatest. And they not, they don't really have the coach in order to fix those issues. Like you look at a team like, I'm, I'm going to bring up Toronto at least once a podcast, obviously. But you watch that last game against New York. They won that game solely because of coaching. And I just can't see a team like Dallas with Jason Kidd figuring it out in scenarios where Dallas is in a close game and he just finds the right lineup or just pushes the right buttons like Nick Nurse did in that game where he played that uh, he played Kem Birch with the starting five in the third quarter, the entire third quarter because it was working. He didn't decide to go to the bench. Like normal, normal coaches would just do their rotations, right? They would just bring certain guys in at certain times like they always do. And he kept those guys in because they kept pushing the lead, even though I think they were on a back-to-back. So, yeah. Also, speaking of the Raptors, have you like what's going on with Precious Achua here? He was one of the guys that I think all three of us are really high on in the offseason as like that that underrated get for Kyle Lowry that the Raptors got, you know. And it's just he just looked like awful this year. Like he doesn't know what he's really doing out there half the time. I don't know. It, it looks a little bit rough. Like. 
Is it just experience that he needs? I, I think he's caught in between trying to showcase all of his new ball skills and then just trying to be a good role player. I think they told him before the season started, like when you get the rebound, you're allowed to get up and go. And he actually has a pretty decent ball handler. Like in the preseason, he was bringing the ball up and hitting pull-up twos and pull-up threes. And you're like, holy crap, this guy looks like like dead man's Kevin Durant out here. And then the season <laughs> starts and he starts doing these things and he can't make a shot. And then he's just pressing. Like a lot of the time, he'll get like a dump off pass five feet away from the rim instead of taking a little floater shot. Like, you know, like a Rashawn Holmes type shot, right? He just dribbles a ball too many times and then nobody's open anymore because nobody's going to double team him. And then he throws up these these crazy shots over guys who are way taller than him. He's just playing against seven foot guys and he's six foot seven. So he's just in a bad spot right now, just not trying to do too much instead of just doing the regular center things that, you know, a guy like Ken Birch has been doing really well. Yeah, so he's in his own head. Is what I think so. Yeah, I think he's just caught up in a role. Like, uh, I think once his role becomes more defined, I think playing a little with a little more stability, like he went from not playing very much or playing some specific minutes for the Miami Heat to now having a bigger workload and on a team that there's a lot of new pieces on the Raptors. They they play a specific style. It takes an adjustment. I, I think it. I'd give him like a third of a season before I kind of label it as maybe we overestimated or um maybe he's just not the player we thought he was but i want to go back to the trailblazers really quickly i know uh, it's kind of beating a dead horse but like what roster is better is the is the trailblazers roster better or the mavericks i mean they're sort of in the same position right you got your star player i mean cj mccollum's obviously a lot better than anybody else in dallas right now anyway um but the rest of those guys are role players i mean it's it's pretty close. You got a bunch of guys you can't really rely on. You'll have guys who have breakout games every once in a while, and you're like, oh, okay, he's back. And then the very next game, they go one mm-hmm. for seven. So I think they're yeah. equal. <laughs> but <laughs> I think the, the advantage that Portland has is supposed to be their continuity, right? Like, the core is still the exact same. It has been the same for the past four years, five years. Like, Nurkic has been there for since 2016, 2017, I think. So, I mean, with with Nurkic and then the two guards in the back, I mean, those guys have been together more than long enough for them to establish chemistry with each other. And you would think that, you know, going into another year, continuity with such a, a short offseason at the same time, continuity should be better for this team, right? Except it just does, just nothing looks like it's working. I'm pretty sure there's a crazy stat that said the Mavericks starting lineup was the same as it was like three years ago, one time this year. The Mavericks? Yeah, I remember reading that stat somewhere. I'll have to pull it up sometime. But it was saying the Mavericks haven't made like big changes to their roster in like three years. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Porzingis would be the or Porzingis and Tim Hardaway would be the last like major change, right? And that was like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Guess it was some uh, some. Yeah, point. I don't know. I mean, early stats corner. Guess how many points Robert Covington is averaging this year. Seven. Like six. 4.6. And oh. guess how many two-point shots he makes per game. 0. 0.5. One. Uh, 0. 0.1. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, 
Not great, Bob. That, that's your trade piece right there. Oh, man. Ham and CJ, send them somewhere. For Ben Simmons. <laughs> CJ might have more value than Ben Simmons yeah. at this point. He's playing well this year. Oh, he definitely does. CJ is averaging a career high in three-point attempts. and He started made, the same way this year as he did last like year, he too. He is really gunning. Yeah, except he's averaging more this I year. I don't think so. Last year he was averaging 28 points a game until he got injured. Oh, sorry. I meant threes. I just meant purely like pure attempts and makes. Like he's he's attempting nine point seven threes a game. I think I saw a stat where, like this is the other day, but I think he's still top five and like three point attempts in total on the year, just behind Steph. Like it was him and OG Ananobi like two days ago tied behind Steph, which is just strange. Going back to the Raptors, OG taking that many threes was completely unexpected. It's a good thing. They needed that though. Is it? I mean, the guy's been shooting between 37 and 40% the last couple of years, so why not? Yeah, I guess it's kind of different when you're creating your own offense and having to be the guy and shooting, you know, nine threes a game, right? Well, soon enough, Siakam's going to be back, and then that team is going to be nice. How's, uh, how's Scotty Barnes doing? What's what's up with this finger of his? I don't know. I'm really worried about this because they've already ruled him out for tonight, too. And uh, they haven't said it's anything beyond a sprain, which is a good sign. But when you get ruled out that quickly, it's never a good sign. Yeah. Seems like they're yeah, hiding something. <laughs> Speaking of not hiding things, man, uh, how much of a mess do you guys think the Boston Celtics are right now? Because the other day, uh, you know, obviously they've been struggling and Marcus Smart just comes out. And he's one of those guys that has been there forever. You know, whenever you talk about the Celtics, like core, you think, Marcus Smart is that glue guy. He's that vocal leader. He's the he's the guy who's diving for all the balls, plays amazing defense, blah, blah, blah. And then he just comes out the other day and says, oh, yeah, you know, uh, teams know how to play defense against us because they just got to lock down on Tatum and Brown, and we all know that they're not going to pass the ball anyways. So that just leaves the rest of us standing in the corner. Not the best look for a team that's like struggling right now. They brought in a new coach. Schroeder and Horford are new players, so they're integrating back into the team. Not not great situation there in Boston, you know? You know when you like have a, you overperform early on and then those are the expectations for you? I think that's what happened with the Celtics. That first year with Tatum and Brown, um, they went to the conference finals. They're like the new age of basketball. They were going to be the new dynamic duo and... Again, I think they played really well. They're great young players. I, I don't want to take anything away from their games. And they both evolved their games like adequately. It's just their team just hasn't figured it out on offense. Like it's very ISO ball um, centered, especially late in the game. And obviously you want your star players taking the big shots. But it, it just seems like when Tatum or Brown have the ball, no one else on the team does anything because they know they're not going to get the ball. Like, no matter what they do, like if they're wide fucking open, they're not going to get the ball. And and I, I don't blame Marcus Smart. Like what he said objectively was right. Like I, I think nothing was wrong with what he said. Is he supposed to air it out in public and do all that? Like that's all up for debate. But like I think even Boston Celtics fans would agree that Tatum and Brown have tunnel vision. Uh, more so Tatum than Brown. And and that's on the coaches and that's on the players and they got to figure it out and they're not a 2 and 5 team like they should be making the playoffs i think this is your classic um street ball scenario 
where you join a team where there's maybe one or two guys that just handle the ball all the time. And when you have guys like that in your team and you're not getting the ball, you don't play as hard and you don't move around as much on offense because you know you're not going to get the ball. And then on defense, you're just not going to make, you know, the necessary rotations as you normally would if you're excited to get, you know, back on offense and run fast breaks with a good point guard or a good facilitator where you know you're going to get the ball at least once every couple possessions, right? Or at least touch the ball and, you know, run a play every once in a while, right? I think that's your classic scenario here because Boston's bigger problem is their 25th in defense. And that literally makes no sense when you have a really good defensive five that's starting right now. Like Al Horford started the year averaging like four blocks a game. He looks like the regular Al Horford again. Robert Williams has played pretty well so far this year. And then you got Tatum Brown and Marcus Smart is one of the best defenders in his position. So you think that those five guys together would be really good. And yet they're 25th in defense. Doesn't make a lot of sense besides the fact that these guys are just getting annoyed with, you know, Brown and Tatum especially, who's been the worst clutch player in the NBA this season. And he's shooting like 23% in the fourth quarter, I think, so far this year. So I, I think it's just that specifically that the other players are not playing as hard because these guys are just not passing the ball. But yeah, what he said wasn't wrong. But yeah, yeah, but what he said wasn't wrong. Like, like objectively, like they are. Yeah, but you just don't do that in the media, though. Like no, you do no. that in the locker. I don't understand why he did that in the first place. To be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was brought up like several times. And then this was just like, fuck it. Like these guys still don't get it. Like new coach, new other, like new senior players, like Horford's back and whatnot. And these guys still think like they're the next coming of Kobe Bryant and Tracy McGrady or whatever, like players they want to be it's just it you can kind of tell that i think jason tatum is a great player but like dude you got to play some team basketball like you got to make your teammates a bit better like i wonder what his assist per game total is and if it's improved at all since his rookie season it's low uh brown and tatum are like bottom five in the league on assists uh, of like major players yeah exactly it's just unacceptable like you got you gotta find a way to make your teammates better and again no one's saying that you shouldn't take shots at the end of the game. It's just like you got to get to the end of the game and make it close. <laughs> oh man, would would it help if they had uh, a point guard like Ricky Rubio, like someone who, no, you know, facilitates more, can can get the offense flowing on their own rather than you know just set like giving the ball to them and just hanging out in the corner. No, I I think you need more of a connector who's proven. Again, going back to the whole Kyle Lowry thing, you need a guy like that, that guys respect and, uh, you know, that trust, really, right? Because you're not going to pass Ricky Ruby to the ball in the fourth quarter and be like, yeah, make the spot-up shot. <laughs> so I think that's the, that's also the issue with Marcus Smart, too, right now, because he's shooting 25%. So I'm not even sure if he was the one that should have been saying this in the first place. Maybe a guy like Al Horford has been there for a bunch of years. Not in a row, obviously, but overall. And he's the elder statesman there. Maybe they respect it more coming from him. Uh, correction, Marcus Smart is shooting a whopping 29.3% Ooh. from the field. Ooh. Thank you very much. And Respect the game 29% of the time. Get yeah. that man the ball. And Jason Tatum averages for his career 2.7 assists per game. Two points. He's at like three something this year, right? That's a that's an upgrade. Well, like one point six in his rookie year, one point six in his rookie year, 
Um, and he's been steadily around three. Uh, and this year he's at 3.7. So it's still pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, it's not great. That's not great. I don't even know how... Like, I, I can't think of a player that, I guess, similar to Dallas, that they could take on and actually, you know, sort of lead this team effectively, right? Like, what kind of point guard would you actually hunt for right now? Because basically every team is set in their guard position, if they're good, at least, you know? Yeah, but I, I think this... Maybe a George Hill back in the day? But I don't think for Boston specifically, it's not an issue about them getting a different player. Like, yes, that would help. But I think ultimately, like... It's a mindset of the team and it affects the schemes, like how the coaches are designing the plays and how the offense is running in the motion and like who's setting down screens for who and so forth. And it, it comes down to players making the adjustments. And again, now pulling up Jalen Brown's stats, he's averaged in his career 1.8 assists per game in the regular season. Like that's just not good enough. Like, like you can be Mason Plumley. And average more assists than that. So, and especially the fact that these players have the ball in their hands so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also an issue of, like, having teammates that you can trust also, right? Yeah, but uh, but uh, they, they yeah. need to know better. And uh, I want to just go back to one more thing, too. I, I think, looking at the East, how deep do you think the East is? From one to fifteen, like how many teams are like good basketball teams in the East? Well, Chicago is going to win the title this year, so you know they're they're clearly at the top. <laughs> now that Demar Derozan is shooting threes, something we've all been waiting for for the past like eight years. My God, I mean, there's uh, only what two teams that are really trying to lose right now, which is Detroit and Orlando. And, and apparently Indiana. <laughs> Indiana is losing unintentionally because they actually have some like, you know, win now players, right? They just haven't been healthy yeah. yet. Like Brogdon's been out yeah. a bunch of games. Levert's just but low key, Chris Duarte looks really nice too for that team. I'm not Levert convinced. He's good, man. Yeah, he's, I'm not convinced. I think he's. Yeah, good. I think he's good. I think he's good. Like, I bet you if you looked at his percentages right now, he'd be at like 35 percent from the field. He shoots a lot. Well, who else on that team is going to shoot? Miles Turner, who doesn't get to play. Miles Turner's actually oh, had a good year this year compared to his last. Also, Chris Duarte is shooting 43.5% from the field, Josh. Oh, wow. That's, that's not for bad. A rook? For a rookie? Yeah. For a rookie guard? Hey, the guy's 25. Relax. <laughs> I don't care. Kate, I don't care. He's not that. really a rookie. A Let's be honest. No, he is a rookie. Yeah, but he's not Come really on, a rookie. Man. He's like yeah. Garbajosa. Yeah. Yo, relax. <laughs> Garbajosa. <laughs> That's like Composo coming in at like 38. Yeah. Exactly. Not a real rookie. Or like Pablo Prigio. 30, 30 years old and 25 years old are not the same thing. I'm sorry, man. Donovan Mitchell would not call him a rookie. <laughs> Rob. Hope you got that reference. Yeah. Robbed. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, to my point, I just want to talk about the Celtics. Like, yes, they're the 12th seed. I still expect them to be closer to 500 or have a winning record at the end of the year. And. Yeah, this is the first time I would say in the last like five to ten years that I can remember that the East is deeper than the West. Like there are eleven teams that are I would say okay to good basketball teams, uh, and in the West you can't say that. So like you have Miami, Chicago, the Knicks, uh, the Seventy Sixers, Raptors are better than what most people expected. The Hornets can beat most teams on any night. 
uh, the Nets, the Hawks, the Bucks, who are now 10th, and even Boston. So that's 11 teams. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with injuries, though, because if Zion was playing and Kawhi Leonard was playing, then you'd be about even. You but don't right wanna... now, there's... <laughs> you don't want to see Zion playing, man. Yo, Zion playing might, like, cause an earthquake. Yeah. I'm <laughs> saying if he was, like, 280 pounds instead of 400. <laughs> Yo, Zion playing is going to start the blenders alone when the electricity's off, okay? Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. That, that clip yesterday of Barkley talking about him was so funny. <laughs> yeah. He oh looks God. like if Barkley and Shaq had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> man, he is huge. My God, he's massive. He ate a gorilla during the Oscars, I swear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's all those Mountain Dew commercials. There's a lot more than that. Yeah. That New Orleans eating out there is must be really nice. Yeah. Oh, it's great, man. It's, there's nothing like good soul food. Jambalaya. All right, anyone else who we want to rip on before we... <laughs> okay, last note on Boston. The other reason why they're losing is their bench is absolutely terrible. They have Dennis Schroeder who's their bench, best bench player. And he's played okay in spurts, but he's shooting like 35% from the field. And then name anybody else on their bench. They're trash. Grant Williams has been okay in spurts as well. He doesn't really do a lot though. But Jason Richardson. Aaron Smith is... Yeah, Jason Richardson, <laughs> a.k.a. Josh Richardson. Josh. Nobody even knows his name anymore. He's just, <laughs> he's just terrible. Uh, yeah, Aaron Smith is really 0 for 100 on the off. season. Pathetic. Yeah, what about uh, J- my boy Jabari Parker? Remember when he was... Uh, Going to be like one of the best big men in the league? You know, I believe in Jabari too. It's really <laughs> yeah. too bad that he had two knee injuries because he was going to be something. Yeah, now he's like Dewan Blair. Oh, man. <laughs> Talk about knee injury. That hurts. Last thing, and, and instead of uh, let's, let's just change the mood before we end this podcast, I want to go through uh, NBA.com's rookie ladder. And I, this is the first time I probably haven't disagreed with the list. Uh, Scotty Barnes at number one, Evan Damn Mobley, right. Evan Mobley at number two, Chris Duarte at number three, Franz Weger at number four, and Josh Giddy at number five. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's okay. I think I'm yeah, at Depending Gideon on how many three, actually. <laughs> Is it for the number of threesomes he's having? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more, more videos coming out of Josh Giddy, the better. Huh? Giggity, giggity. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, you got any stats corner, Josh? Yeah, so this week we talked a lot about uh, three-point shooting, so same theme as last uh, last podcast. We'll get into three-point shooting thus far this season uh, for teams, teams in 2021. So, in terms of three-pointers made thus far this season through six to eight games for some teams, uh, which team has made the most three-point field goals, and can you name the top five? We'll each give you three guesses. Okay, I'm going to go first. Surprise, surprise with the New York Knicks. Knicks are number one at 16.6 thus far on 40.8% from three-point land. Thank you, well. Joachim Noah. <laughs> what? Well, wait, what? Okay. They mentioned about, uh, they were talking about that on the podcast. Not him and uh, Zach Lowe, but then I was listening to another Knicks pod and how they changed the philosophy, Tom Thibodeau. Oh, no. Yeah, yes. Yeah, they're they not the same person, Joachim Noah and Tom Tibbs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go with, uh, I don't know, Steph is leading the league. Let's go Golden State. 
Golden State is number two at 15.2. Oh, man. Shouts to Damon Lee and not fucking Jordan Poole, who's just been awful. Yeah, Damian Lee is no longer the guy that's married to Steph's sister. He's actually a player now. <laughs> yeah, he's Damian Lee now. Damn. He's upgraded. It only took him like three years, but he's here. He's officially yeah. D. Lee. D. He's <laughs> earned that name. <laughs> and the, he is the second D. Lee for the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to go with the Utah Jazz. Utah's number eight at 13.6. Damn. Uh, are Los Bulls in here? Uh, the Bulls, in terms of three-pointers made, no. They're, I think they're shooting it the best out of anybody, but they are not in, mm. up there in terms of three-pointers made. I thought DeMar's like one three <laughs> per game would elevate them, you know? Chicago's number three, actually, in terms of percentage. Oh, wow. Wow. In terms of makes, Mars though. Mars 1-3 per game is really helping. Makes are 26th, so they yeah. need to start shooting more of them. <laughs> they actually, yeah. they. Yo, DeMar is very efficient, okay? <laughs> Once per year. Especially last game. I'm going to hammer home this DeMar point, man. <laughs> He's good this year. He's very good, Josh. I mean, I, I can't hate on the guy. He's done well for my fantasy team, so. How about the Los Angeles Lakers? Lakers are not in the top half of the league. They okay. are at 11.5. Charlotte? Charlotte is correct. 14.6 three-pointers made. There's two more teams, both in the Western Conference. Both are maybe playing teams. Well, last guess. That's like more than half the conference. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not much of a hint. That's everyone except OKC and New Orleans. Pretty much. Basically. Uh, Dallas Mavericks. Nope. Dallas is not in the upper echelon. They that's are a surprise. 14th. That's a surprise. Is Minnesota in this list? They're number 7 at 13.8. Oh. Okay, spill it to us. Portland and Memphis. Wow. Memphis. Portland and with Dame shooting that poorly, eh? But CJ. Picking up the slack. Yeah. Nine. Also, uh, I heard a stat the other day that Carl Anthony Towns is third on the team in field goals attempted per game. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. Not great. Not good. Yeah. But hey, you know what? Take the ball out of Russell's hands. Don't take it out of Ants. Sure. Just give it to Towns. Hey, a- Edwards is having God a damn. nice this guy's year. supposed to be your franchise. Don't hate my guy. Yeah, whatever, dude. You have a franchise player in Cat. Who's complained about how bad the like team's organization is over the past uh, like seven years that he's been there, and you're gonna get him third on field goals attempted? <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's very bad. So as we've been talking about, obviously free throws are at an all-time low this season thus far. So can you name the players with the top uh, free throw attempts in terms of average thus far this season? Players? Hint, hint. Players, James Harden is not on the list. Players. Okay. Players only. Okay. Peter, you start. Give me Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy G. Number one at nine a game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My pick for sure. I'm going to go with Trey Young. Trey Young is nowhere near this list at the top wow. 10 anyway. He's number 17 at nope. 5.2 a game. Let's give him like three games. <laughs> yeah. After tonight, it'll be like 20 free throws. How about Giannis? Number three at 8.6 a game. 
There are two left in the East and one left in the West. What about Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell, I don't see him anywhere on the list. Three, uh, he's thirty-one actually at four point two. Damn. I don't do free throws. Um, it's okay. They're all big. They're all big guys. Me. That'll give you a hint. Yeah, I was gonna say, Joel, I own your head, Embiid. Number two at eight point eight, and the next two are always in the running for Defensive Player of the Year okay. as well. Rudy Gobert. Number four at eight point four. Jeez, Rudy. Wait, uh, Ben Simmons doesn't count on this list, does he? Has Ben Simmons that, played the game yet? Oh, Peter Bird, averaging like a hundred percent from the line. That's it's a He hasn't shot one. Uh, uh, Bam. Yes, Bam is number five. Well Ooh. done. Six point eight. There's a big drop off from Rudy to to Bam, from eight point four to six point eight. So. I think things are back in order now where big men are actually taking the majority of free throws, which is how it should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of great that they're not letting the guards do whatever they want anymore all the time. And the the pace of the game is still fast. Indeed. Who would have thought? You can have a fast-paced game and have effective bigs on the floor. I kind of like it. I like this new NBA. Man, it's, it's much needed. I remember there was a stat. Uh, I think it was on the NBA show from the Athletic uh, pod, and they were talking about how... The offensive rating, like I think the Golden State Warriors with Durant had the best and then the Mavs. And there's like nine teams that had the top offensive rating that would have beat out any other offensive rating last year. Like that's just stupid. Like I'm happy they corrected this and I'm all for it. Hopefully Brian Windhorse is correct and, uh, you know, the refs actually keep this up all year instead of going back to the shitty foul calls, which they have a tendency to do after they're done emphasizing. Well, tonight is going to be a big test since you have James Harden versus Trey Young, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on the referees to blow whistles because there's only so much yelling one person, one human being can take emotionally. <laughs> is it in Atlanta or Brooklyn tonight? That is a good question. I'm going to guess it's in Brooklyn since it's like a 7.30 start. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I was going to say if it's in Atlanta, James Harden might be too hungover, but <laughs> in Brooklyn, maybe not. All right, guys, I guess that's all the time we have for this week. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us those five stars, five star reviews. Leave us those positive comments. Thank you very much. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.